everybody. Welcome to the Faith Church Podcast. I am your host, Jay Williams, and joining me today is Jeff Clossy. Hey, Jay. Good to see you, man. It is good to see you. It's good to see you. It's a kind of a dreary morning, though. It's a very dreary mor- morning. You know what else is dreary? What? We have, to, we have to deal with some office drama. Okay, let's talk about it. Yeah. So um, we have an infestation in our office of flies. I saw that. Yeah. And I've been... I said oh we have fruit flies and do you know what what uh someone who i don't want to say her name begins with l and ends with esley um which oop, oop, i think you might have said that <laughs> and uh she said those aren't fruit flies they're fungus flies oh is, is that better that's not i don't know there's that's no better. way that's better i don't know what planet those are better in and she said it comes from the soil that jeff brought in not not you Jeff. Oh, another jeff um, which I won't mention his last name then, but the, uh, and I said, why do we have dirt? She said the dirt that he brought in. I said, why do we have dirt in our office? And she's like, for the plants. So this raised a question in my mind of why do we have plants? <laughs> if the plants bring dirt and the dirt bring fungus flies, not just flies, but fungus flies, which I can't imagine. A, I mean, I guess dung beetle would be worse. That's a worse name for yeah, insect. Yeah, kind of infestation of stinging insects or something but yeah but i mean the name just fungus flies yeah. just sounds terrible does not sound like a very inviting um, environment at all so, i don't think i've even heard that name before well she probably made it up that's why i'm saying it in the podcast because i want to know if these things are real but they are like little things and they're not you know i say infestation it's not like the plagues but it's enough <laughs> that i like i've had to swat away a couple times and so it's a it's a big question. I'm just curious. Like, are you pro real plants? Are you pro bringing the outside in, uh, in in our office? Um, well, say, I have a real plant in my office, but I have no flies. So it must have you? been. I haven't noticed any, but it was given to me. So the soil came with it. So maybe okay. that soil was. I need to maybe keep my door shut more often. I don't want those flies in my. They'll soil. probably get in the soil. Or the dirt. Well, I don't like that. Said. Well, that, right. So my, I, I enjoy having one in my office. The only problem that I have is watering it. But it's a more of a cactus-type plant, so it's done well with that problem. So okay. it sounds like you are more like, well, you would prefer plastic. Okay, so here's the thing. I would not prefer plastic. That sounds so terrible. I, I just, I guess I would just say I'm just a non-plant guy in the office. Like, I don't want artificial ones. I don't like real ones. Um, it's not that I don't like the real plants. I just feel like it feels a little bit like having a Christmas tree in your house. And, like, if you ever step back and think, this is weird. I have a giant pine tree in my living room. That's not normal. Um, that's kind of how I feel whenever I see plants in a house. So maybe we need people to suggest alternatives for this office space. Well, there's lots of alternatives. You could have art. Uh huh. You could have art. Li- uh, any other living furniture. things? We could have a. We could have an office dog. I would love to have an office. I'd rather have an office dog than office plants. Uh. <laughs> like, or an office gerbil. Like we have like a little office hamster. Yeah, I think pe- if there's any good ideas out there, send them to Jay. Okay, there you go. <laughs> you can also send me ideas about the sermon. You know about the. Uh... So this week we talked about. Um, really God's family on mission, but I kind of focused in on family. 
and uh, you didn't listen to the sermon on Sunday. You checked out. I just totally tuned it out. No, I people know that's not true. I was teaching. I got to teach the fifth and sixth grade faith kids class, and it was awesome. I had a blast in there. There were um, three helpers with me too, um, other adults, and it was we just had a great time with the kids teaching. So I got to listen to the sermon, though. It was just after the fact. So, so full disclosure, when you listen, do you listen on regular speed or do you increase the speed? It was increased, but only slightly. I should see what it was. I think 1.2 is what I had it on. So that's I think, still pretty normal rate I think I'm speech. hard to handle at too fast. I've been grading assignments like for seminary, like seminary, uh, the teaching the Bible class. And so... Um, I've been listening to sermons, and some people I can go on two times. Wow. Just the rate of speech. Just because of the spe- yeah, yeah. their pace. And I'm used to doing that. My video production days, you'd have to scrub through interviews pretty quick, so I'm used to listening at things at double speed. I can listen to you on double speed. If it had a two-and-a-half time speed with you, I could do it. Because <laughs> <laughs> you are so like deliberate in your – You yeah. have such a – My rate? Such a, well, you have such a calming presence and – and I like to like speed you up so that you, I imagine what what does hyped up Jeff look like. The thing I miss though when I listen to you is I can't see you moving around. Yeah, you can't see my. Armor. I didn't have. Can the you video. imagine them? Do I can. You, can you oh yeah, I can my... tell when it's happening. Yeah, it was a great sermon. I was really encouraged by well, it. I. You don't have to say that. No, I was. I I mean it. It. I think that this is a topic that, especially this last year for me, this is my third year now here. Um. I have been experiencing it more and more and God has been surprising me with it more and more. Like we just, I think sometimes as pastors, we have an interesting perspective because we get to have like windows into a lot of the different things God is doing. And um, it's been really cool to see how God has grown us as a church through this season. Yeah. And I, I'm curious from your past experience, because sometimes I can get up there and I can say something and people can go, oh, well, that's your that's just your experience, and they don't know what other experience I've had, really, and and um, seeing this play out in others. But in your experience of doing campus ministry for a dozen years or whatever, um, did you see that that idea of like culture and identity and culture? Um, did you see the pitfalls of leading out with? you know, methods that are trying to tra- chase a specific result and, and not taking the time to cultivate identity and culture. Yeah, it definitely. And, you know, I was involved with the Navigators and thankfully the the season that I was involved, there there was a quite a shift, but the Navigators historically um, had a pretty performance-driven, you know, method. And that was what it was all about. Um, and through people like Jerry Bridges and others, by God's grace, um, that ship has really turned in a different direction. And, uh, you know, the, the phrase that I remember hearing a lot and what we would say to our students is you are a human being before you're a human doing. Like you are always who you are. It will be reflected in how you live. And obviously we see that in the scriptures as well. Um, I, th- I love how then when you take that idea, though, if that's true for me as, a, as just one man, it's going to be true as well for us when we band together and we're part of a family together. And that to me was one of my main takeaways from, from the sermon this Sunday was this need to continue to be reminded and to live in who we are. And as we do that, the mission of God that he's given us 
I think will continue to take new creative shapes because it won't be mm-hmm. confined right. to a box of this is what that looks like. So I, I think in a lot of ways, the doing flowing out of being frees us and that a lot more things count, if you want to put that in quotes, um, for the mission when you're doing it that way. Yeah. So, okay. First of all, we cannot gloss over the that the the kitschiness of the you're a human being before you're it's, not a human doing but it's so true like, it I is that's both, you won't ever forget it so once you corny. hear it that's so corny and yet so true i love I, those are like my favorite statements that are just mm-hmm. like where you roll your eyes and then you go oh that's that's amazingly true so yeah i mean that and that's something you have to buy into of that cultivating a culture of who we are in christ will produce fruit and and we all look at like we want our lives to be impactful. We want, um, we want them to be meaningful. Many of us, like you know, if you're if you're following Jesus, you want to be used for the kingdom. Um, but there's just this question of like, well, how how does that happen? And I think we just tend to look at the results of other things, and then we try to mimic that, or we try to find the method that will allow us to to um, produce that. And I've mentioned before how when I was in a mega church that people would come to the conferences and they would basically just take pictures of everything, like of how the office is laid out, like the staff positions. And they, they're they just, they see the results of all this. They want that. And so they just think, well, if I do those things and, and the bottom line is like, that's just not, that's never going to produce healthy fruit. And that's not how Jesus talks about it. You think about the, the parable of the sower and the seeds that there the whole point is like the the culture that that's being cultivated and we'll talk about that on sunday but the beginning thing is just the identity of just who you are like what are you even trying who are you and what are you trying to become like that is that's the critical thing and that's what we try to drive at and so it's not about whether you do certain programs or certain ministries it's about who are we becoming and um who who does who does the bible say we are and you know who does God say we are through his word? And then are we becoming that, you know, both, you know, like I've said on Sunday, we are already that because of the work of Jesus and we are becoming it through the the transformational work of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And you talked about some ditches that go with that idea too, which I thought was really helpful. Like, like the ditches of, of what family could look like. Mm, yeah. And it just made me think that sometimes um, our expectation like that we have in our head, not necessarily from the Bible, of what that is, um, becomes an obstacle to experiencing what actually is. Because it's never going to like yes. it, it's never going to be perfect. We're never we are just it's always going to be a um, a learning process because we are all growing in an in process. And uh, I think I don't know if it was Dietrich Bonhoeffer, he has a famous book called Life Together, where he kind of casts a vision for doing life and following Jesus. And one of his points in there is that the enemy of doing that is just this ideal of what it has to be. And we never quite feel it fully. But I think if you start with identity, like you were talking on Sunday and who you are first, then all the particulars of of how that gets lived out, they don't just take care of themselves. They're not always automatic. They take decision-making and planning, but um, I think they will feel more natural for people. It's a way of relating, right? Too well. And you said 
I mean, this idea of family, I think one of the things that strikes me when you talk about those ditches is that what we what we want family to look like on a daily basis is not what we actually deeply want it to be. And then the reason I would say that is most people, if you ask somebody, hey, describe a time where you really felt this church as family, they're probably, most times, they're going to point back to a hard season of their life when the church supported them, when the church um, helped them financially, emotionally, spiritually, through the loss of a loved one or through um, a difficult, painful circumstance or whatever the case is. That's what they're pointing back to um, or how the church failed them in those situations. But on a daily basis, when we talk about it just in regular rhythms, we tend to want it to look like uh, you know, somebody to go do things with, somebody to go fishing with, somebody to talk about football with, somebody to you know, go like people that I can hang out with and just have fun. And then there's a dissonance there. Like at the end of it, you what matters about the family of God is that we are there for each other in in real ways. But what we always try to pursue are these very surface, like entertainment consumeristic definitions. And so, um, you know, I, I think about think about that when it comes to multi-generational type ministry we say this all the time that it's it's can be difficult to connect across generations but when you need like when you're in crisis those multiple generations are really valuable like to have spiritual grandparents in your in your life or for spiritual grandparents to have spiritual grandchildren in their life to be in the nursing home and being visited by you know, the young family that you invested in, you know, and their, and their kids, like that, all that stuff, that's when it matters, not like how easy it is to connect on a random Thursday evening or, you know, to have the similar interests. Yeah, that's really good. You mentioned the convenience thing and, yeah. you know, all of us, I, I think with acts still so fresh in our mind from this whole year, it is just so evident that convenience and even I would say like amusement Mm-hmm. They, they might end up being icing on the cake occasionally where we feel like, oh, this is really easy and this is really fun, but they are not the goal. Again, that's like getting the, what could happen from it mixed up with what the purpose is in, in our identity. Um, and the amusement happens it, out of that. Yes. Again, like if you are, so if you think about, I, I have a great relationship with my grandmother. My, my grandmother we we share none of the same interests other than we both love Jesus. But I could just sit and hear stories and talk to her and everything, but she doesn't know anything about sports. She doesn't know anything. Like she she's at an age now, she's ninety six and she um you know, so we're not talking about, you know, I don't know, like travel plans in Wisconsin or I don't know. Like we we're not our connection is very different, but that comes from a history of being in one another's lives and loving one another. And so it is a joy to, it's not a, it's not a weird burden to go visit her. It's a joy to visit her. Or like some obligation that we just have to do. And right. It's not like that. No. With family. No. I mean, it, well, I mean, it, it can be, but we would, we would agree that that's, and most people would agree like, well, that's not the best picture of family. Yeah, like that's I don't, broken. that's not what we want. Right. Yes. You know, we, when family is functioning health 
in a healthy way, you have the multi-generational effect. You have like the understanding of what matters is that we're together. It's not what we're doing. And so we have to tell that to kids sometimes when, you know, I remember my boys were little and they wanted to play. um, They wanted my dad to play tackle football with them and having to say like, Hey, that's, that's not like you want to spend time with your grandfather. It's not going to be through, you know, playing tackle football. He's just, that's not the stage of life he's in anymore. But you're convincing them that it's better to spend this time with him than it is to do the thing you want to do. And I think often in the church, when things are going well for us personally, or like any kind of semblance of normal, then we get more focused on what we want to do than who we want to be with. But when you're in times of crisis, or when you are, when those moments hit where you really desperately need the family, it is about who is there for you, not about what they're doing. It's this, if that makes sense. You yeah, know? about what really matters in that moment. Right. Yeah, nobody who gets the meal train, like when people, when someone's in, in you know, where they need the meal, like meals brought to them, and the church responds. I have yet to have anybody say, mm, "The chicken was a little overdone." Like, you know, and the, I, well, a couple of the meals were good. A couple of them were like, meh. They don't talk about the meals. They don't talk about the actual food. Now, sometimes they get like a f- meal that was like their favorite ever, and they'll, they'll mention that. But what they talk about is that people cared and brought food and took time to do that and they, how loved they felt. So it, it was the who, you know, it was the act of service from the people that mattered but on a daily basis, when you're when everything's functioning well, and you say you go over to someone's house for dinner, well, what do you do? Then then you're like critiquing. Well, how how easily did the conversation flow? Like, was the food good? Was that like especially if you got to dinner, with, you know, to a restaurant? Like, we become you know the more comfortable we are, the more consumeristic we become, and the more we focus on the things that don't actually matter in the long term. And I think if we if we keep reminding ourselves that, okay, no, who we are is God's family, um, bought by the blood of Christ, brought together, reconciled to God and to one another, um, and then sent on his, on his mission together, uh, then if we keep reminding ourselves of that identity, then what will flow out of that will, it'll make a lot more sense. Like it, it just seeing it that way will actually help us understand a lot better than 12 more sermons. You know, you know yeah. for example, which we talked about before the podcast, but if you see the elderly person in the nursing home as a person who used to come to the same service as you, then it's very confusing to know like, well, should I, should I reach out? Should I not? Should I, you know, is there somebody that's going and visiting? Like, I don't want to bother them. I don't want to, you know, I don't know. I'm sure they're fine. But if you see that person as a grandmother or a grandfather, well, then it becomes very obvious what you should do and what you would do. And I think, like, so, so much of it is just that. It's the same thing like when we talk about helping with kids and in, in, in kids ministry, that if you see them as just random children that go to an organization that you're also a part of, then it's very confusing what you're what your role is in that, and do I feel called to do that? I mean, that would be like, you know, when you look at a kindergarten teacher, not all of us are called to be kindergarten teachers, and those are like random kids from the community. You're like, okay. Um, 
that's very different than when you see them as your nieces and nephews. And, and so these are, this is part of my family. And so then, then it becomes much more obvious. Like, well, of course, like, why would I not want to jump in and help and connect with them and then connect with their families? Yeah. That, as you were describing those examples, kind of what, what seems to come from our heart when we are abiding in Christ and experiencing him and, and remembering who we are as a family is this desire to love and to share like real practical love with other people around us. It's like we feel a level of um, responsibility, I guess, or ownership. I don't know the word, but, and, and the way that flows out is really practical acts of love and delighting in that person, taking their interests as your own interests and um, putting them before your own convenience. You know, I, I love that you said that about the kids too, because on Sunday, uh, the three other adults who were in there with me, as we talked about the class and prayed for the kids um, before class started, as we were preparing, it was so evident to me that those other adults also just love these kids as family. This is, they're back there because of that reason. Like the four of us back there in the fifth and sixth grade class didn't hear the message. We didn't hear the sermon while you were giving it but we were experiencing it Mm. and the kids were experiencing it as we interacted and did life together in that moment. And it was, it was such a delight, but yeah, you're right. It's not just like, okay, now our appointed job for that hour is to go do this thing. And then now we're done and we go get on with our lives. It's like, these are real relationships we have and those kids matter. They're part of our family. Yeah. That's so, yeah, that's, and that's the design and the desire. And I think the question then, um, that has come up and came up even in response to the sermon is, okay, I hear that. And I even agree. Like they might say, yes, when I think back to when, when would I say the church has been family to me? When have I really felt that, that it's probably in moments of service and moments of being served and serving others. Um, and not in the trivial things that on a day-to-day basis we think, we often think of like that that would mean like community. But then the question of like, well, how do I know that I'm actually participating in that actively? So if I can look at it in the past and say, well, that's what it meant. Like, how do I, how do I know? Because on a daily basis, that's not what we're doing. Like as we interact, like you're not in crisis every day. No. So we still function, right. So we still function as family in that. And, and the question of like, well, then how do I know I'm doing it right. So what are your, what are your thoughts on that? What did you say to somebody who says like, how do I know if I'm doing this? Yeah. Well, part of me would say a really important part in this is how each one of us is called to seek the kingdom, to seek what is God doing? What is he doing in my life? And what is he doing in my neighbor's life and my coworker's life and in my friend's life? And then of course it should go without saying based on everything else we've said, what is he doing in the family that God has put me in here, this church family? And, um, so I think as we're praying that and seeking that and asking God, help me to do that with, with this family, help me to live out this family of God on mission, God will help us do that. And for me, a lot of what I've observed the last six months especially is that it often looks like a need becomes very apparent to someone in our church family. Um, so take like the homeless shelter as an example. So a need there becomes just very apparent to someone and it's, and it's weighing on their heart and they begin to go serve in that need. 
And as they do that, they invite other people who are part of their family with them. So both their biological family and their church family with them. And it's beautiful to watch coming together and relating together around something that is so important and needed in the community. To me, that's a that's one way, one thing that looks like. It's not something they signed up for right. or, you know, that they made some agreement with each other. They just did it together and they invited other people into it with them. How, how would you add to well, that? Or? No, that's so. So this is where I think it is. It's so simple that we 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 tend to overcomplicate things. We all do. Um, and especially in the Western culture where we, we turn everything into like a, you know, a, a 12 lesson study and all this stuff. But there is a simplicity, a beautiful simplicity to it. We know that's true because how of how quickly the church in Acts nailed it. Right. Like you think about immediately after Pentecost, they were meeting together. There was no orientation that we know of. There was no like Peter didn't then get up and say, OK, well, now we're going to organize into groups. You guys are going to meet together. You need to meet together at least once a week. And in that time, we're going to encourage you. Like you need to share a meal or whatever. They did it naturally because of how they saw one another. And it just made sense. So much like, you know, what I was saying about the going to the nursing home makes sense when you see that person who, you know, used to come to worship services every week and was a part of the church family, but now they're physically unable to come seeing them as a grandmother all of a sudden fills in a lot of those blanks and you just naturally would go do it. But then when you said that about the homeless shelter, that's what I was thinking too. If I went and served at the homeless shelter every Thursday, I mean, imagine if I didn't invite my kids or my wife to go with me. Imagine if they were like, well, what are you, what are you doing, dad? I'm going to go to the homeless shelter. Oh, okay. Yep. All right. See you later. That'd be so weird. Like, of course I'm going to invite them to go with me. I'm going to say, well, do you want to come? I would love to have you come with me. I might even intentionally want to make it a point and choose an evening that I know we could all go together. So also then with the church family, we should be thinking about that um, because then you are on mission together. It is so powerful um, to go and serve together. There's just incredible power in that. It's so powerful. That's why I was trying to encourage, even when you're going to like a baseball tournament or a basketball tournament, um, we have a lot of families who are in that situation. And I know for us, we had a personal experience where we happened to have a team where several of the families, we all go to, we go to church together. So there was some intentionality of that, of saying, okay, we, we're not just here at this basketball tournament. We're at this basketball tournament together as God's family on mission. So we want to be um, <clears throat> like, actually, I, I heard a, a family that went to another tournament was in another tournament season and they would just get together before the tournament and pray together just as a means of acknowledgement of who they were in Christ and what they were going. They didn't know exactly what was going to happen in the tournament. They didn't necessarily even have a strategy of, um, you know, we're going to take waters for everybody or we're going to feed people or whatever. There wasn't necessarily always like this specific strategy. It was how they saw themselves. And it was how they saw the day unfolding. And they recognized to one another and reminded one another that we are God's family on mission. And so whatever the Lord has for us, we're going to handle together. So I think that is such a big piece of it is just saying, like, what do you see? And so on Sunday morning, when you look around, who do you see? Do you see family? Like, do you see it as like a family reunion? Or do you see 
random people from the community that happen to attend the same religious service that you do. And what I'm seeing more and more is people are buying into that idea. And then um, I, and then I would say be faithful to what's in front of you. So <clears throat> buying into the idea that when you come to worship, say on Sunday morning, that you that God is putting you in that place and he is surrounding the people that God, God is orchestrating all of these things. And so when you happen to be sitting in front of or behind a person that you don't know or that you do know and that you've wondered like how they're doing, or even when you see them at that point, you wonder how they're doing, that that's not an accident. And if you think, oh, well, you know, that'd be weird for me to say something or that would be weird I, every week I'm talking to people and if you ask them about how the Sunday was, they will, they will talk about other conversations they had with people. It means a lot to people when you go up to them and you say, Hey, I just saw you. I haven't talked to you for a while or, um, you know, whatever. I, like, how can I pray for you? Or how are you doing? you're ministering to people, you're being God's family every bit as much as when you sit around the dinner table with your family or when you remember doing that, that we ask each other how you're doing and what's going on in your life. Um, at least we should be doing that. That's and, such a good reminder that that sometimes I think we, well, yeah. the picture in our head of what ministry looks like may be a pastor in an office meeting with somebody, but that is actually the exception to what ministry looks like. Ministry actually looks like the ordinary conversation you have with someone on Sunday morning and you tell them how you're really doing and they tell you how they're really doing and you talk with each other about that. Right. That is that is ministry. And that's really important and really valuable not to be discounted. And you can't replicate it. Right. You have to, you know, be present, you have to be with other people to do that. And I would say, too, I just wanted to add to the ideas. Like we, we threw out a couple, you know, God g gives you an idea about a need and you go meet that with other people. But in addition to that, in our church, there are, are, there are needs that we do make known. So like through the Acts ministry, one of the goals with the Acts ministry of serving together is it's relational. It's not just meeting a need. It's right. doing it together in family. So whether that's helping someone move or building someone a ramp, all of that is relational. And I would say the welcomed ministries are like that as well. When people band together to support a family who is in you know doing foster care, that is God's family on mission. So there are opportunities if you're hearing this and thinking, yeah. I'm not sure who I would ask or there are ways that um, we do make known for people to do that in addition to the spontaneous God moving in a person's heart towards some need. Yeah, so I would say, all right, so let's let's deal with that for a second because you mentioned, you know, we're comparing, say, a family dinner to getting together on, on Sunday morning. I think about how often we view a church service on Sunday morning in the same vein as a, a family that sits around the TV for dinner hmm. where you're watching something and you're near them but you're not actually connecting with one another. There is some value of physically being in the same space together. Like that's better than not being in the same space physically, but it's not all that it could be. And if, um, if you had a family that said, man, we just don't feel like I'm ever connecting. Like one of the things I ask is what, what are you, what's your evening routine? 
and there's we have all kinds of things going on my family is very full evenings and everything so but trying to figure out a rhythm of this is a time that we really connect with one another and we take every opportunity we can to sit around the table and eat together um and so i would say that so i would say that is a first step is coming on, on sunday morning and just practice seeing the people around you as god's family listening to the spirit to say okay i'm going to I'm just going to I'm going to go out of my comfort zone. I'm going to go over and say hi to this person. I'm going to I'm just going to ask them how their week has been. And it may not feel I and mean, this is part of the thing is it may not feel like a big deal to you, but it is. It, you're doing the thing. I wish I could share all the stories of people saying how this specific text just so encouraged them or this person coming up and saying hi to them or whatever. Um I try to tell them, "Hey, you should let them know how encouraging that is." But it's not always my story to share. But it's so powerful. So I think being like just changing the view a little bit and and being intentional about that and then realizing that's the thing. And and then trying to respond to the spirit in any given moment, being faithful in the moment, I think is the thing. And so that's part of what the area lunch is. Right. So I know that some people like come to the area lunch and they're expecting it to be a program. And it's not. It's an environment. It's a place where you just say, we're going to have some food and we're going to sit around a table together and we want you to connect. And there have been some really deep, rich, meaningful connections in that. But it only happens through consistency. And I get it. It, it We can get into this idea of like, well, um, like it's not accomplishing anything. So it's kind of a waste of time. I have other things to do. Well, if I said that about visiting my grandmother, what would you think of me? If I said like, well, I, w- I would go visit my grandmother, but I have other things to do. We well, don't accomplish anything. Yeah. Like I get there and she doesn't, she doesn't have anything for me. She doesn't like give me anything. I don't, we don't have a plan. We don't have an agenda or whatever. Like you think I'm the worst grandson ever. Mm-hmm. If I didn't see the value of just being with her. And, and so that's a big part of area lunch. So I'd say start with Sunday morning, just seeing the people around you as family and practice that be a part of an area lunch. Like just, just commit to being there consistently and connecting with people. Um, and then I would say, like, that's why we have communication cards. Like, again, we tell people all the time, like, well, what are all the different things you have going on? We're not interested in connecting people to random programs. We're just no. not. Nope. And that's not our philosophy of ministry. Our philosophy of ministry is we are God's family on mission. That's our identity. And so we want to connect you with people. And so if you want to study the Bible. Like, first of all, if you want to study the Bible, ask people around you and like, Hey, you want to read the Bible with me? That's great. But if you need help in doing that, then talk to us and we will help you get connected with, with people like that. That's part that's, I love doing that. And that's, that has a much um, better return on investment. That is the intentionality of the difference between just chucking seeds out into a uh, soil bed and, you know, and like randomly, or actually planting in rows, you know, and actually saying, okay, this is where I'm going to plant my tomato plants. This is where we're going to plant the cucumbers. There is wisdom in that kind of intentionality, but that's what we, that's what we're trying to do through the communication card. So we want to, we want to make it simple in that if you want to experience this, just talk to us. <laughs> and and that's, that's the step. And, uh, and rather than trying to like overwhelm people with, you know, all the different things that they could possibly do. It's interesting. I really love that, that comparison between a family sitting at a table 
interacting over dinner in a family sitting on a couch watching TV. And it's, it's, it is interesting how Sunday worship can be like one of the, one of those two things or a mix of them. And I love one of the blessings I think of getting to take communion together has been, at least for my experience as, you know, part of this church family, it has helped me to feel more connected with the people around me. Even, even if it's like, I'm, I'm standing like this last Sunday, standing in line, one of the Sundays I wasn't serving um, communion and just getting to interact with a few people and shake some hands. And yeah, it was just awesome. I love getting to do that. And it, it shifts me out of the mode of I've got the remote in my hand and I'm just watching a thing happen. And the goal is to just absorb as much of what I'm watching, but instead I'm participating in it then getting up and yeah. talking and interacting. That's, that's the thing. That's a, so Wow. That's, that's a whole other thing. I didn't, I haven't thought in those terms a lot. Um, I have in some ways, but that whole TV dinner, like gather on the TV is, is definitely hitting me as a, again, that goes to perception. Just what's the point of this? And we've talked about this before that for so long, the Christian worship service has just been the, the main point is, can I, do I, can I get everything I need to get out of the sermon? Yep. And I want to, we are going to continue to preach the word of God and proclaim the good news and be faithful in teaching and, and instructing out of God's word. Um, I don't want to diminish that at all. What I want to do is elevate the other elements of the service that are so powerful. And remember that the people of God gathering together as his family, worshiping him together. I was just talking to somebody again recently of them saying how how it has ministered to their soul to hear the church family singing on days where they could not bring themselves to sing. So imagine somebody that's so racked with guilt or, or pain or depression or grief that they can't bring themselves to sing the songs, but them hearing you sing the song behind them and next to them and around them ministers to their soul in a way that you won't you won't ever know and it's not based on how good your singing voice is it's based on the family singing together that's a way that that we that we minister to one another obviously you mentioned communion i had a conversation this weekend with somebody who um what they they had wanted to they wanted to bake and like a lot of us they're just not eating baked stuff <laughs> like a lot of us are kind of turned away and then at christmas time you're like oh man and if you have a uh, history of baking things then like that can be a sad thing if you're like man i don't even know who will eat these things anymore like nobody eats gluten nobody eats sugar nobody eats like whatever and so um so they just decided you know what i'm gonna bake these things and then i'm gonna deliver them to my neighbors and they ended up going and sitting with several older widows and just sitting with them, delivering baked goods, talking with them, praying with them. And what was crazy about it was she was kind of like, I mean, yeah, so I did that. And I'm, I'm thinking, that's the thing. That's the thing. Mm-hmm. It's so beautiful. And, and then if you start to do that and then invite somebody else along, like I could encourage this person to invite, you know, a younger person woman you know to go with with her and and she'd probably she'd probably oh they wouldn't want to do that or they don't have time to do that like yes they do 
And yes, they would. And if they don't, then they're missing out. But if they do, then that's the family being on mission that, you know, it's not, it doesn't have to be, you know, we have people that, like I said, go to the nursing homes and they just take somebody with them. They don't, it doesn't have to be some formal organized thing. We just, if, and, and this kind of goes back to what you said earlier, Jeff, that, that it kind of expands what ministry could look like because then it's not dependent on the pastor to come up with all the ideas of what we should do. Like we definitely as elders have community wide things that we're keeping an eye on and ways that we want to intentionally share the gospel in the community and be light in the midst of like, we definitely are doing that, but man, some of the most incredible ministry that's happened over the seven years has been things like that. Like someone baking cookies and going around and, and sharing them with people and, and sitting with people who are lonely and people who are going to the um, homeless shelter and t- just taking somebody with them, people who are connecting on Sunday morning and then just reading the Bible together and um, learning how to follow Jesus together. Like that's people that are volunteering to be on school boards and committees and things like that in their community and sharing, being light and salt in the midst of that and doing it together like that. That's the thing. And we have to make sure that we're reorienting ourselves to saying like, that that's like how weird would it be if I just said yeah I just feel like I'm I just feel like I'm not being a very good dad and then talk about all the ways that I've like served my kids or taken them you know to go camping or do whatever but because I haven't like done you know we because we don't do a regular family dinner every night or we don't have a, some form whatever my measurement is you know I, I didn't coach their team or I didn't do this thing and I saw this on Facebook, this family was doing this and we didn't take the big trip to Disney or we didn't, whatever we'd say, holy cow, it's in those small things. Like you play catch with your kid every day, like, or you do whatever, like whatever those rhythms are, um, we would say that's, that's the thing. It's not the big, it's not the big events or the big programs or the big things like that. It's the, it's the small things, which we'll talk about that more next week. But I get, I get kind of fired up when I'm thinking about that and I hear those stories and it is a consistent thing that people share a story that I'm like on the verge of tears listening to. And they're like, yeah, but I haven't, I haven't been volunteering or doing this, this other ministry very much. Like what? <laughs> yeah. I, our, our imagination for what that, what it means to live this out just needs to be expanded. And I think we also need to just recognize how God has already been leading us. Yeah. So that, that's a really good one too. The, the one about the baking of, I think seeking the kingdom of God yeah. and thinking about what's going on around you and what God is at work doing and then entering into that. Beautiful. It's so it's, great. It's awesome. So we want to encourage you guys in that. Like I want to encourage anybody who's listening to this to say, you know, I think if you, so see the church as family, not as kind of like family, but as family and then, and be faithful to what God has in front of you. And so if you, you know, like I said, on a Sunday morning or loving your neighbor, whatever it is, like just be faithful to that interaction that's right in front of you. And it's through all of that that God weaves together what is a greater testimony. And I've shared before, but I, when I have the opportunity, I think I said it on Sunday about when I had the opportunity to share the gospel in some of those areas and the testimony of our church family, like all of those little things add up and they become this really big thing. And, um, and that's the family actively being on mission. That is way more valuable than just having, throwing a big event. Um, 
you know, where we try to get a bunch of people together for that. I, I'm not saying that we, you know, never, never do that or God doesn't work through those things. That's not my point. But the point is that the most valuable thing is to be God's family, to recognize that, and then to be faithful to what he has in front of you. Amen. Yeah. All right. You already did preach it. I was going to say preach it. Preach it. But you did. It's preached. Done. Yeah. It done gotten preached. So if you are sitting there listening and you're thinking, man, I still need more help. Like I still, I'm, I need, I just need to process through. We would love to talk with you about that. And you can also talk to each other about that. Just run through, okay, what are, what are the rhythms of your life? Like where, where does it seem like God has placed you? A lot of times people know that they're like, man, I, I definitely get a sense that God has placed me in this neighborhood, you know, or he's placed me in this, in this workplace. And I, I definitely have a sense of that. Then like let the family help you figure out what does that look like and then rely on one another so that, you know, how cool is it if you're, if you are, for example, called to, you know, in your workplace, you see that and you're sharing the gospel there, or you're trying to invite people to church. Well, let other people in the church be a part of that. Let them know, let them be praying with you so that when you do bring that coworker, you've got, I mean, think about how awesome that would be to have, you know, five or six people who have been praying for that coworker Imagine how excited they're going to be and how intentional they're going to be about like welcoming them. So that's those, all of those things. We would love to help you think through that and brainstorm. Um, so as always, if you need help with that, or if you have any other questions, you can reach out to us uh, through email, the phone, or be with us on Sunday morning. Um, and we, we would love to connect with you. Thank you, as always, for listening. Hopefully it's been helpful. Until next time, grace and peace.